0: Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. When we started this program 16 years ago, we wanted to do a segment that focused on parenting lessons and one of our producers at the time, Jillian Cantor, offered to share some of her lessons. Jillian had one or two kids at the time. Very quickly, she realized that she is no parenting expert and that instead of sharing what she taught her kids and offering tips on how to bring up your kids, she started sharing what she learned from her kids. You see, we are all children of God and we can learn a lot about our relationship to God by how we see our children relate to us and how we bring them up can also teach us something about how God tries to parent us. That is what Jillian's segment, What I Learned From My Kids, is all about. Jillian and her husband David now have six children, Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo, and every month they teach Jillian and all of us something about our faith and our relationship to our Heavenly Father. We hear from Jillian once a month, but today we're happy to bring to you Some of our best, what I learned from my kids with Jillian Cantor from a few years ago. You'll learn lessons from Dogman, how our brains work, gratitude for what we have, responsibility, and so much more. I hope you're taking notes because it's really good stuff. Sit back, hang on tight, here we go. Now it's time for what I learned from my kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back. Good to see you.
1: Thank you very much. I hope you had a good summer.
0: Yes, you too. And I'm sure there's been lots of lessons. What have you learned from your kids this month?
1: Well, uh, mostly I've learned how to be sassy. No, that's not (laughs) what I'm going to talk about. (laughs) I mean, I could. They did teach, but I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> what I will talk about is um, the thing that we're learning around here is that we cannot, we should not limit the way or the means uh, by which God will reveal himself to you and your family. Okay. Um, so my boys are interested in this book series called Dog Man, um, which is... Uh, from its title, you might ascertain that it is about, a book about a police officer who is partial man and partial dog is the body of a man and the head of a dog. Very likely story. But it's this graphic novel kind of comic book um, story that's written by this author, Dave Pilkey. Um, And he writes it as though it's two elementary school boys who are authoring and illustrating this book about this dog man. So, because it's written by um, these elementary school boys, the the on purpose the illustrations are cr- pretty crude, and the spelling and the grammar can be somewhat atrocious. Um, and it also the storyline is just the nonsensical ramblings sometimes of what might come out of a, an elementary school boy's brain. So it's they're pretty ridiculous books. Um, And when the boys started reading the series, it wasn't for their growth or enlightenment or any sort of learning. It was really just pure entertainment and for a lot of giggling and success. That's exactly what it's been. So the boys have just recently received the latest edition of the Man series. And I found them at bedtime, gathered together on their bed, heads together, giggling over this one um, scene. It was one chapter in this book. So I was asking them, what's it about? have what's happening a dog man in this book what is the goofy thing that you're giggling about they were telling me this and then joseph said but mommy there's parts of this book that would probably make you cry and so i had mentioned earlier um, on this on a radio program that we had been reading through the chronicles of narnia mm-hmm. series the boys and i and i basically just wept myself through that entire series yeah. so the boys are used to me reading a book And then all of a sudden getting really quiet and they know that's mommy trying not to cry. And then I'll compose myself and we'll carry on. So I (laughs) said, this book is going to make me cry. Dog Man, a story about (laughs) half dog, half man is going to make me whimper. What is it about? So Joseph flips to this page and he reads this to me. So the backstory is there's an evil character. Uh, Obviously, it's a cat. Cats Mm -hmm. are evil. Yes. His name is Petey. Um, so he's always doing the bad things. He's the bad guy, but then a little kitten comes into his life and is trying to teach him how to love. And, and eventually this cat, whose name is Petey, his heart is changing and he's not so bad anymore. He's getting to be good, but he's hanging on to some regret and resentment from the people who have hurt him in the past. And it was those hurts that were propelling him forward in all of his evil doings, but he knows he's starting to understand in order to be good that he has to let go of this resentment and this anger and this hatred. Mm-hmm. So it gets to this scene and PD says to the little kitten, I can't do it kid. I can't love the way you love. And the kitten says to him, Papa, you don't have to, you just have to let go of your hate. Mm-hmm. Isn't that brilliant? Oh my gosh. And it continues. So he goes to the guy who has hurt him in the past. PD goes to this guy to seek, this uh to heal to or to begin this process of healing and he goes to him and he says i'm done i'm done hating you and then the other guy the bad guy taunts him and says oh ain't you sweet so what are you gonna do now are you gonna love me and Pete says no i'm going to forgive you hmm. and i was just so taken aback by this really truthful message it was so simple and so lovely mm-hmm. this was not what we were expecting when we entered into this series that this was this was just supposed to be something silly and goofy but this is true and so yes in fact i, I did cry while reading it <laughs> with the voice We finished that up and we kind of switched gears and we, for bedtime, we, um, read through this devotional with the boys that focuses on some scripture from the day and a little reflection Mm -hmm. and the scripture from that very day. And it just was like, it just hit me in the gut because I couldn't believe this was the gospel from Luke that day from Luke chapter six. It said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who treat you badly. Mm. And that could have been a gospel message that I read to the boys that was hard to understand. It's a huge concept. It's this love and forgiveness and hate and blessing. But I had (laughs) Dogman to go back to. I had this very scene from this book that we just finished reading to turn to and to say to the boys, does that make sense? Mm. Do you see the connection between what the gospels are telling us and what just (laughs) happened in the Dogman book? Yeah. And I never would have thought, never would have thought that getting into the series would ever lead to any sort of scriptural understanding or some catechetical lessons. <laughs> never. I never would have imagined that. And it just hit me that we cannot know. We cannot possibly know the way that God is working in our lives and how he is revealing himself to us and how he is telling us how much he loves us. Mm-hmm. And and I I mean again got emotional with the with in our prayer time because it just he is pursuing us. And it's he loves me and he loves my family and he loves my boys so fiercely that he is willing to show up in the pages of a silly comic book. It just floored me. And so that's what I say to you too that you know we it's in we cannot we cannot know the way that he was going to reveal himself to us. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we should not limit that either. We, we have no business telling God where and when he can or cannot be. He exactly. will just be. And we get to be the recipients of that, the joyful recipients of wherever he is.
0: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm.
1: that's our lesson. That's
0: a great lesson. And we have no business telling people <laughs> that they can't read books like Dogman because they're so, <laughs> because we never know where God is going to reveal himself to us thank you what a lovely message and if i can just say that's the message of the pope's new encyclical too
1: oh yes (laughs) so maybe he also read dog man who knows
0: maybe pope francis read dog man (laughs) well thank you for that lesson and again thank to joseph and henry for that lesson and uh i i i hope to talk to you guys soon
1: yes please do
0: All right. Jillian Cantor. She's the producer of the Salt and Light TV program, Mothering Full of Grace. And she's the writer of A Woman's Voice. And she's also the wife of David, the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. Hi, I'm Mark Matthews, your Hollywood undercover missionary. And you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. And now it's time for What I Learned From My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, it's good to be with you again.
1: (laughs) It's nice to be here again. Thank you so much for having me.
0: And I guess you've been learning from your children. What did you learn this month?
1: Okay, this one is a doozy.
0: Uh Everyone get
1: your pens. You're going to want to write this down. All right. Today, the lesson is Sometimes I don't know the lesson. That's it.
0: (laughs) The end. I like it. Really
1: short episode today. Thanks very much. Okay, very
0: good. Uh, Contact Jillian Cantor at. (laughs) You know what? That is a very good lesson, but I do want to hear more.
1: (laughs) It it actually just sounds like I gave up. Like I forgot we were going to do this today. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't know. So, no, um, no, it's actually something I've been thinking of. I think we. We're a bit conditioned to think that all of our problems or issues or whatever it is that we're facing can easily and neatly be solved in maybe um, a very tidy, um, tidy amount of time. And Mm -hmm. I think let's take a look at sitcoms, for example. They have taught us that any of the misunderstandings, any of the problems, that's just all going to be wrapped up by the time we get to like minute twenty three. And with some commercial breaks, we'll have everything solved. Um, But then also we look to social media, maybe Instagram, where accompanying everyone's little square photo, um, there's often a whole essay, a mini essay about this is an issue that I was facing. And Mm -hmm. here is the, how my family and I have solved it. This is our wisdom that we want to share with you because we've been through it and we want to share it with you. And those are all fun and good and beautiful things, but sometimes... Consuming all of that can mm-hmm. be a bit frustrating because you think, gosh, why is it so easy for them? Or how did they have everything figured out? Or right. or why does everything need to be a lesson? Sometimes a thing happens and it just happens mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're not sure. And it doesn't say that's not to say that there isn't a lesson that comes out of it eventually, mm-hmm. but maybe at that moment in time it's just a little too far out of reach. And you don't know what the lesson is yet. Or maybe, and this pertains to me, in my own exhaustion or stubbornness or sinfulness, maybe I even missed the lesson because I wasn't looking in the right place at the right time for it. I was just too frustrated by that thing that was happening. So so yeah, it does sound a bit like I'm giving up. But today's lesson really is that sometimes I don't know the lesson. I don't know what it is. And I would hate to misrepresent myself because how long? have we been doing this? How, how many years have you been <laughs> calling me and asking me what I learned from my kids? And I'll always have something to tell you. I always have a little anecdote yep. about what my kids di- has done or um, and how that pertains to maybe my faith life or how I'm growing because of it. And I really don't want to be dishonest with our listeners to make it seem like <laughs> I have everything sharply focused in this mm-hmm. perspective. When I'll be very honest, most of the time I have no clue <laughs> what's going on right. or why it's happening to me. Yeah. So I do want to be just completely honest to say that sometimes we don't know what's been going on or why. And and right now in my house, we've been experiencing a lot of tears lately for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, we are missing faraway family and the grief of that hits us at unusual times. Not just me, but my kids too are feeling that they mm-hmm. miss their grandparents and there'll be big tears when I least expect it. Um, recently I had uh, uh, a school friend pass away from cancer, leaving her husband and two young kids. Gosh, there must be a lesson there. I don't Mm. know what it is. I can't discern that right now. Um, Or Leo, he just turned two and we are so happy and glad that this ball of energy has been in our family for these last two years. But at the same time, I feel like for the last two years, I've been fighting for every single minute of sleep that that boy has had. (laughs) He really is a terrible sleeper. And I'm just constantly trying to get him down for a nap or getting to go to bed at night. And I feel like in those hours that I've spent trying to get him to sleep, I've missed out on the life of some of my other kids. And that's Mm -hmm. frustrating. Gosh, there must be a lesson there. But I don't know what it is. And so I'm convinced that someday somewhere somehow I will I will know it in years ahead maybe in 10-20 years I'll be looking back at this life of mine that I've been living now and I'll realize that's what that was for mm-hmm. but right now that lesson is not within my perspective I can't see it I haven't focused on it yet um, and I just I guess <laughs> like all Instagrammers or like all television shows I just want to encourage you, if you don't know the answer, if you don't know the lesson, that's okay. Just keep living it anyway. That's what I'm trying to do. (laughs) No matter how tired or frustrated it can be, just keep swimming. Just keep plugging Mm -hmm. away. And um, not knowing a lesson is not going to stop you from having the experience. So just keep at it, and the lesson will come.
0: Yes. And you're right. Like no, that. but no, that's <laughs> wonderful, and in some ways, maybe the most profound thing you've ever said. Um,
1: because well, I should have given up a long time ago.
0: <laughs> no, because it's 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 scriptural. You know, it's like we don't we 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 sow. In the, the, and you're you're come from a farming farming family, right? We we mm-hmm. plant and we harvest. Those are two different seasons. Yes. And yeah. and and you can't be harvesting when you're planting. So right. yes. I think that we and, and how often do we say, you know, oh, well, in retrospect, everything's 2020, right? So you're able to see how God was working in your life only after He's done working and you're already onto right. the next thing. So yeah. I think that that's very profound, and I think that that it's very important for, for listeners, for everyone to recognize that, yeah, you don't, you I mean, nobody's always looking for a lesson anyway, like we're just living yeah. life, but it's good to take the moment at the end of the day or at the end of the week or whenever, whenever Leo is napping and you need to, <laughs> you know, to, uh, to, to do that examine or to, to do that, that, that looking at your day or something to, to maybe, and that's where we get, and it doesn't have to be like a lesson that you're going to write a book or, or do a segment on the radio or, or, or even do an Instagram post. But there's something in there that that helps us be better the next day, and yep. that that's, yep. that's 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 uh, I mean that's all we can do. Um, Jillian, thank you for thank you for that lesson. Um, I do hope you have a better one next week. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, next month. Um, uh, thank you for that, and I do hope that uh, Leo sleeps better in his uh, third yeah, year of life. You. Yes, yeah,
1: that'd be really great.
0: <laughs> thank you, Jillian Cantor. Thank Jillian you. is she's the writer of A Woman's Voice, and she's the wife of David. And the mother of joseph henry annie clara jane and leo i'm deacon pedro you're listening to a special what i learned from my kids edition of the sultanite hour coming up we go to advent and jillian struggles to get her kids to tell her about their day now it's time for what i learned from my kids with jillian Cantor. jillian welcome back to the program
1: Thanks so much for having me again. For keeping me on, even though last week or last time I
0: didn't you, give you, you anything. You I big just... le- No, it was a good lesson about not <laughs> having to be prepared all the time.
1: Right. Well, I appreciate not being replaced. Anyway, thank
0: you. <laughs> we love you. So, did um... you learn? Did you did you learn anything new from your kids this uh, this <laughs> yeah. Advent season so far?
1: Yes. Yes. The thing that we're Really focusing on right now, the thing that's prevalent in my head is that there's always a story to tell, um, but sometimes you have to force it out of them. (laughs) So, um,
0: especially the boys, yes.
1: Yes, exactly the boys. Uh, Yes, there is a rule in our house that when they come home from school, they are allowed to just kind of ease into being at home with some screen time. So, the girls will often watch a little show or the boys will play on their Nintendo and Um, But the rule before they can play or have screen time or play at the Nintendo or whatever it is, they have to tell me two things about their day. So inevitably, Joseph, the oldest, will come to me and say, Mommy, can I play Switch? And I'll say, I don't know. Did you tell me two things about your day? And I'll get something like, it was good. I had fun. (laughs) Like, well, thanks a lot. That's not exactly what I had in mind. So the forced storytelling there is not the the right scenario. He's just come home. He's not ready to talk. The stories will come, uh, but you just have to provide the right environment for them. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we have the boys do, not because I want to tell the not because I want them to tell me stories, but just because it's helpful in our household, uh, they take turns after supper doing the dishes. So while one of them's doing the dishes, the other one is sweeping, and I'm usually in the kitchen making lunches for the next school day. And it's then in that quiet, and I guess just a bit more peaceful, they've been home for a while, they've maybe had some time to calm down or reflect on their day, that a story will usually come out. Sometimes it's them talking to each other, and I just get to be in between and hear what they're saying. Sometimes, for example, just a couple nights ago, it was Henry at the kitchen counter doing the dishes, and he has a really thoughtful way about him where he'll just kind of pause and he tilts his head to the side and he looks out into space, and then... Blah blah, 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 blah. So much stuff comes out of him. Mm-hmm. All the stories that I want to hear after school, that's when I get them. It just, you have to be there and ready and willing to listen at the right moments. And no matter what you're doing, whether you're making your lunches or if you, you know, checking your email or doing your own grown-up thing, you got to be willing to stop it, put it down and give them that space, that person to talk to. Mm-hmm. And I love the stories that they have to share, like just their insights into their day, their commentaries of, you know, what they're learning or, you know, how they felt about a certain situation. The other place that I've heard this story or this method of storytelling that I'm familiar with Mm -hmm. is from my dad. Um, When we go home to visit in Saskatchewan, it's usually the evenings and most often the last evening that we're there that my dad will tell his stories. We'll be sitting in the living room. He'll wander in having watched the news. He'll sit down. And whether it starts with a question, on my me asking him a question, or sometimes it's just a thought he has, he'll just begin a story about his life, his childhood, his work, anything. And I love those moments. I love that storytelling. And I, I'm just so grateful to be um, the recipient of those stories. But because of our current situation, because of COVID and quarantine and lockdown in some places and not being able to travel, Mm-hmm. It's been a year since I've seen my mom and dad. And it's been a year since I've been the lucky recipient of those stories. They're not the greatest phone talkers. Yeah. They do not like Skype or any sort of voice call. So it was a middle of the night panic, honestly, from on my, my part one night. I was lying awake and I was thinking about all the things I was missing out on. We've done pretty well, I think, emotionally and mentally. Mm-hmm during COVID, <laughs> but now I'm gonna cry on you, sorry. <laughs> but eight months in, realizing it had been an entire year since I'd seen my parents, I was really starting to worry about lost time and lost stories that I was not going to hear. So in the middle of the night, I started to think what, I mean, I was panicking. So I don't know if it was inv- any of it was rational, <laughs> but I'm like, what is it that I love about those stories? And why is it upsetting me so much? And it's because it's things that i wouldn't necessarily know about my mom and dad it's not mm-hmm. things i would think to ask it's just stuff that comes out and how can i rectify this how can i make the stories happen well i'm going to give them the space to tell them to tell me those stories so the next time that i called them for our like usually it's a weekly sunday call i began what i now call question of the week mm-hmm. and so I have a list of questions. (laughs) I ask them one question. I give them the week to think about it. Then the next Sunday, they have to give me their answer before I assign them a new question. (laughs) So my dad is questioning this whole entire assignment. What's this for? (laughs) What do I have to be answering all this for? Um, And I, I said, oh, I'm going to write a book. It's going to be called 500 Things I Don't Know About My Mom and Dad. And he's like, well, how long is this going to go on? Well, until I know 500 things that I don't know about you. <laughs> so it's kind of started out slow and steady. Like now they expect it. They're, they're okay, well, what's my question for next week? And I'll give them their, mm. their things to think about. And the stories that they're coming up with, both my mom and dad, are really simple But important to our family story, to their life history, and to me, to just make me feel better, to give me that reassurance that I'm still knowing them and I'm still a part of their lives, even though we're so far apart right now. Mm -hmm. And on their part, on their side of things, my mom said to me one day, you know, usually you just putter around the house, you're doing your chores, your housework, you're not really thinking about very much. But since you started asking me these questions... I've got something that's on my mind. I've got something to think about. And she's doing research. She's like, she's looking things up and giving me dates and giving me names. And it's it's not only given me life and given me some hope, but I feel like it's also given my mom and dad a bit of connection with me. And especially on the part of my mom who's taking it so seriously. Yeah. It's given her something to look forward to. And it's just been, oh my gosh, it's it's really made this better. I've come from a place of, kind of despairing and hopelessness and sadness too. I am so excited to talk to them and learn these stories from them.
0: That is so wonderful. And I hope that all our listeners are thinking, oh, I should do this. What a great idea.
1: <laughs> There's always yeah. a story. You just got to oh, find it. <laughs>
0: always a story. Exactly. There you go. So thank you for sharing that story with us today, Jillian. <laughs> uh, good advice there. Uh, Jillian Cantor um, will talk to you uh, for Christmas. So this is yes, not very until- soon. So we'll, we'll we'll have you back on the show soon. Thank you very much, Great. Gillian.
1: Okay, thank you.
0: Jillian Cantor. She's the writer of a woman's voice, and she's the wife of David, the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. This is a special edition of the Saltonite Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. We're listening to some of our favorite What I Learned from My Kids segments with Jillian Cantor from a few years ago. You can listen to all our programs at slmedia.org or subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour Catholic podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The more people who subscribe, the more people can find our show. Coming up, Jillian is at home with Jane and Leo and they don't know what to give up for Lent. Now it's time for What I Learned From My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. How are you doing? Are you learning any good Lenten lessons from your kiddies?
1: Yes, Jane is helping me learn a lot of things. The other kids are back in school. So I've got Jane and Leo here. So Jane's keeping me on my toes with all good. the things that she shares. Um, so, well, speaking of Lent, Jane is really struggling um, with what she decided to give up for lent yeah for you know how four-year-olds can struggle. <laughs> yes. she she didn't know what to give up. all the other kids were giving up some screen time and so she just went along with that too. Mm-hmm. And it went really well for a day. and then she started loudly wishing for and whining about wanting to have a show to watch. Could I just please have a show please? Yeah So what I thought would be an encouraging pep talk, and not a comparison between children, but what I really sincerely had hoped would encourage her. I told her a story of when her older brother, Joseph, when he was four, he usually had two shows a day, but during Lent, he gave them all up. He didn't watch any shows at all. Isn't that amazing, Jane? I'm like, if he can do it, I'm sure you can do it. And Jane, who usually precedes her sentences with the word, ugh, looked at me and said, ugh, our brains are different. (laughs) <laughs> so that is what I learned from Jane this month is that our brains are different and oh. she's right. Our brains are different. And if our brains are different then so are our attitudes or our relationships or well, especially our relationship with God, what we're responsible for and what we're held accountable for. All of these things are different. She has no control over what her brother did eight years ago when he was four. That has nothing to do, to do with her. Yeah. Her brain's different. So how can she be expected to do what he did? She's a different person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that phrase, I just kind of kept top of mind over the the following week because I thought it was funny, but also just really is there's the truth in that. And so I was just yeah. seeing where does that apply in my own life? Um, later uh, that week, I was driving to the grocery store <clears throat> and at this one particular intersection, there's often... Um, different women at different times who are standing there holding a sign and begging for money um, for the cars that are stopping at that stoplight. But it's always a different woman, but it's usually the same sign or the same idea behind the sign. Mm-hmm. And, and it always, and I know this speaks to my own sinfulness and yeah, it sounds a bit mean, but whenever I see these women, I think, who are they? What is their story? And what, what do they represent or what do they really want? Is this true? Is any of this true? So on that particular day, as I'm approaching the intersection, and I see this woman with her sign, and that same thought goes through my mind, what is going on here? Who is this person? But that thought was immediately followed up by a very loud and clear thought, and it was, well, that's between her and God. That has nothing to do with you. And in that moment, I kind of realized, oh yeah, our brains are different. It was remarkably clear to me in that moment that what she was doing had very little to do with me, had nothing to do with me. I was not responsible for her or what her actions were or what she was being held accountable for in that moment. That was between her and God. What I was being held accountable for was if in that moment when someone was asking for help if I indeed helped. That's what yeah. God was asking about me. He was saying, are you really and ready to help? Had nothing to do with her or her truth or what she was there for. That has nothing to do with me. And I think, I mean, in that instance, but then also in our day-to-day, it's an important thing to remember. Um, whether we're judging others or we're comparing ourselves to others or we're putting ourselves or other people down because of what someone is or is not doing, we have to take a moment there and just say, stop, or wait this probably has nothing to do with me. Mm -hmm. This is not my responsibility. I'm not being held accountable for this. This is that person's relationship with God. Our brains are different. This is not my thing. This has nothing to do with me. And of course, I understand the idea of community and um, church community and being together and being held accountable to others and helping others. But I think in this instance, what I mean is that it's, Our relationship with God is what dictates who we are and what we can do. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't really have what somebody else's actions are, doesn't Mm -hmm. have anything to do with me. It's just, it really isn't my business. I have a friend who says, it's not my red ball. It's because something that she's a teacher and one of her students was complaining about something and she's like, well, is that your red ball? And he's like, no, well then then don't worry. about it. (laughs) So that's what she tells her kids. It's not your red ball.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: in our family now, it's going to be well. Our brains are different. Like yeah, we just we each have our own responsibilities and our own actions um, determined for us by God, and so that's what we can be held accountable for. So for as for Jane, whether or not she's going to be able to go through Lent without watching a show, <laughs> I don't know. That's between her and God. As she's already told us, her brain is different than ours, so I couldn't say. Um, but I like how she thinks. <laughs> when she challenges me in my thinking. So we'll start with that. We'll see where she leads us this Lent.
0: <laughs> yeah, already leading us down the path of profound wisdom. <laughs> <laughs>
1: profound four-year-old wisdom. Profound
0: wisdom. She's very, yes. At the same time, I can see how that could be used as an excuse to not do <laughs> what you should be doing. But but it is it is profound. Yeah. And she does have to find what, what she needs to do and not just do what her older brother... Yeah.
1: What everyone else yeah, is doing
0: yeah mm-hmm. i know very good thank you jane Janie, yep.
1: <laughs> for that uh also yeah. you know try to be like jane and start all your sentences with ug and see where that how Ugh. that you through the day
0: yeah yes yeah, see see where that gets us as, as adults <laughs> oh yeah it's lent oh. <laughs> all right well thank you jillian enjoy the rest of the season and uh we'll speak just before easter
1: okay Sounds great.
0: For a good Easter lesson. All right. Jillian Cantor, she's the writer of A Woman's Voice and the wife of David, the mother of Joseph Henry, Annie, Clara, Wise, Jane, and Leo.
1: I'm Sister Marie Paul Curley of The Daughters of St. Paul, and you're listening to The Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro.
0: Now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome. I think we can say happy Easter. What did you learn from your kids this Easter or for Easter?
1: So it was my son Joseph um, during Lent who gave me a kick in the pants uh, and taught me a little bit of a lesson. It was on one particularly nice Sunday afternoon. He and I went for a walk around the block. Um, And I always like to pay attention to which houses are for sale. Um, I suffer from a bit of yard envy. Uh, (laughs) I like a big yard. And in our area of Ontario, um, yards are characteristically tiny, postage stamp tiny. Um, One of the reasons that we bought the house that we presently live in is because we fell in love with the size of the yard compared to the other houses in the town. It was quite big. But still, I grew up on a farm. Mm -hmm. So my expectations for what a yard should be are a lot higher (laughs) than what city folk are used to. So if you can just run around in all directions, well, then that's the yard for me. So, yeah, so we do have a nice yard, but I'm always looking for something just a little bit bigger and a little bit better. And on this one walk, we happened to pass by a house that was for sale and the yard backs on to a trail and kind of into a ravine area. And so I had said to Joseph, oh, when I get home, remind me, I'm going to look up that house. I want to see, <laughs> I want to see what that yard is like. And Joseph said, well, Why? And I said, well, imagine that, like, imagine you could just go play in the backyard and then you just hop over the fence and then you've got the trail system. You could ride your bikes. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like there'd be so much space and you continue to just quizzically say, why? I like our yard. I like our house. And I'm like, well, don't you find it a bit small? No, it's, I like it. And so I realized in that moment, he was teaching me just the same thing that I try to teach the kids all the time. Like count your blessings, be happy with what you have. in some respects, rejoice, rejoice with what you have. He was appreciating the things that I couldn't see. I was just constantly looking for the bigger and the better, mm. but he was enjoying the comfort of the house and the yard that we have now. Um, and so I just was glad for that. I was satisfied in that moment and we just continued our walk. Still, I was like, mentally, I'm going <laughs> to check that yard out. When- <laughs> i look that listing up when we get home, but I'm not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> But how that plays into the bigger picture, like I said, it's not. this is not a revolutionary message. This is, it is, a, it's a count your blessings, it's a be grateful for what you have. Mm-hmm. But why it was important to me at that time during Lent was because here we are in Lent, we're approaching Easter. And as always, I feel like I'm failing. Who among us can ever get to Easter and say, oh, I had a perfect Lent. Everything I planned to do went just tickety-boo and I'm that much closer to God. Yes, that's the goal. And yes, even if we have had some troubles and failings in our Lent, hopefully, yes, we can still say at the end of it, I feel this much closer to God. But I was in the middle of kind of a funk where I was just like, it's not working. The Things that every Lent this happens. every Lent I say I'm going to do better and every Lent I feel like I'm just falling and I'm not meeting up to the expectations and the standards that I have set for, for myself. But what Joseph said, of prompted that idea of, well, rejoice with what you have. What you have is 40 days to look at yourself, to work on your relationship with God, to read the Gospels with fresh eyes, and just try to find God where you're at. So it may not be perfect. Maybe I did eat a chip when I said I wasn't going to snack. Maybe I did lose focus when I was praying my rosary when I said that that's what I was going to work on. But with rejoice with what we have, But like with that mentality, we look at, you know, the Easter story is the same regardless, whether I ate that chip or whether I lost focus during the rosary, Jesus still wins. Jesus wins us our salvation He with his mercy and his love and compassion. He dies on that cross and saves us from our sin. That does not change. That's what we have. That's mm-hmm. the story that we have. And we have this privilege of now beginning again every morning, even though we might have failed or fallen the day before, every morning. Because of that salvation, because of that love, and because of that compassion, we get to get up and start again. That is what we have. And so that is what I will rejoice with. I will rejoice at what I have and not mourn over what I feel like I should have been doing or didn't do. I'll just keep on rejoicing.
0: (laughs) Hallelujah. Yes, absolutely. And uh, you can always come and uh, bring your kids to my backyard. (laughs) Yeah, your backyard. I do have Let it be
1: known. This is an invitation to anyone listening. Pedro has a great backyard and you are welcome to it.
0: Yes, nice big backyard and a ravine behind it and a forest. Um, (laughs) I don't own the forest, but it's uh, pretty much free for all. You can Mm -hmm. run in all directions. Well, thank you. I like that uh, lesson and uh, happy Easter to you and and, uh, the family.
1: Thank you very much. And same to you and all of yours. I hope there is much rejoicing as you run around your backyard.
0: Much rejoicing and no regretting. Yes.
1: Yeah. Amen. Alleluia.
0: Amen. Alleluia. Jillian Cantor. She's the producer of the Salt and Light TV program, Mothering Full of Grace. She's the writer of A Woman's Voice and the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is a special What I Learned from My Kids edition of the Salt and Light Hour with Jillian Cantor. We now go to Easter and Jillian tries to be responsible for the salvation of the whole world. Now it's time for What I Learned From My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. So have you learned anything from your kiddies uh, these last weeks?
1: I have indeed. Um, It's a good one too. It's a relief. This is what I've learned. I am not responsible For the salvation of the world, (laughs) praise the Lord, because if I was, I'd be doing a really terrible job. (laughs) So I'm just thankful every day that that is not my vocational calling to save the world. Good. Um, Yeah. Now, how I have learned this. Good question. Um, (laughs) I don't think it's surprising to anyone listening here that we as Catholics live a life that is countercultural to the rest of the world just by being who we are, um, living the life that we live, following the teachings of the church, um, embracing our morals and our values, we are set apart, I guess, from the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that, there will come division. Um, Those same morals and values and teachings that we're trying to follow make people angry. There's things that we believe that they don't believe. Uh, We can take a stance on issues that will be upsetting to some people. So yes, so we live in this countercultural way, and we have to I guess, you yeah, do our best to live um, at peace with people who are going to disagree with us and probably be angry with us because of some of the things that we believe. For some reason, I find that more manageable and more easy to handle than I do when we counter that own division. That's when we counter that division within our own church. When among Catholics, um, yeah, we find that same division, that same Um, anger because of what someone believes versus what someone else believes. So just like any other part of the world, there's that spectrum of right to left and liberal to conservative. And even if you try to live your life straight down the middle, you're never gonna make everybody happy. There's always going to be somebody who's angry with you or doesn't believe what you believe. And I feel like the world today is more quick to anger. So it's not that we're willing to have conversations, but we're, we're very quick to get angry about what's my right versus what's your right. Um, and and really grown-up temper tantrums. It's like, mm-hmm. I want my way, and I'm going to get mad until I get my way. Now, the reason I'm talking about this is because presently in our school board, we are experiencing some division among us as Catholics. Um, there's an issue that's quite heated, an argument, a conversation that's making a lot of people mad on both sides. Um, now, David and I, we have we have managed to stay out of the argument as much as possible. We've sent emails where we feel it's appropriate and we've talked to the people we feel like we need to talk to. But other than that, we've tried to stay on the outside of the argument. And I feel like that's, it's been because of the emotional toll. I know it could take if I was even more involved. Um, I'm not prepared to be at the receiving end of someone's anger. I'm not emotionally or maybe even mentally equipped Mm -hmm. to engage in a debate with someone. I know what I believe. I feel it in my heart, um, but I don't feel like I can engage in a conversation with someone else without becoming too emotional, without being trampled. It just—I don't want to get involved in this particular conversation. And with that comes a bit of guilt. Um, often, I'm thinking, you know, if I could just—if I could just say this to this person, I'm sure I could convince them, or convert them, or make them think a different way. Um, so I'm, I've yeah, just been struggling with that. Am I doing enough? Um, am, I, am, I, <laughs> am I saving the world? Um, am, I, am I doing the right thing? And I don't know the answer to that. And, in, and then there's also the fear of, you know, here we are doing our best to te- instill in our children a love of Jesus, a love for the ch- church and its teachings, knowing full well that we are now sending them out into the world That will hate them for it. So it's like, here you go, kid, love the Lord, follow the church. Uh, you know, read this, read the Bible, follow scriptures. The world is gonna hate you. Good luck. It feels against every um fiber of my mama being that I would be doing that to my children. And it's very scary, um, knowing what sort of world we might be putting our kids into. So those are all my fears (laughs) and my woes. Now, um, as you know, in Ontario, we're presently in lockdown. So that for us, that means that school is online and our kids are at home learning. Um, now I've got kids all over the house on various computers, including Clara, who's with me most of the day in the kitchen, and Annie, who's just next door in the dining room. Um, and they both don't like to wear headsets. So I get to hear the goings on of their classroom for most of the day. Now, as we're experiencing this grown up debate within the school board, I'm hearing my children um Clara that week happened to be the student of the week in her classroom, and with that came a number of responsibilities and privileges. One of them was that she got to read to her class from her favorite book. And Clara chose Mary Stories, which is a collection of stories uh, about Mary, as the title indicates. So she said to her class, I want to read you the story about the childhood of Mary, because I don't think a lot of us think about what it was like for Mary to be a child. And so she started the story talking about Anne and Joachim and and their desire to have a baby and their longing and prayer for their their baby. And and it was just lovely hearing her express herself so purely um, and innocently, just sharing this story with her classmates. Then an hour or so later from the next room, I hear Annie's religion teacher and he's asking this question of how does the church contribute to the common good of society? And Annie um, her answer was along the lines of the church participates in the world and offers lots of different groups and communities, um, lots of different opportunities to the community. And that way, if people don't know Jesus, they have an opportunity to come to know Jesus. And in those sweet little innocent answers, I felt a lot of things. I felt pride. I was very grateful for who they are as Young women that they would be able to express themselves so confidently about their faith. Um, I felt comforted, I felt reassured, I felt relieved. And I was reminded in those moments of one of my favorite scriptures, and i I often forget that it's one of my favorite scriptures until I hear it, or I'm reminded of it. it's john sixteen thirty three in this world, you will have trouble, but take courage for I have conquered the world. We have a lot of trouble in this world. Mm-hmm but it's already been taken care of Mm -hmm. and it's not my responsibility to save the world. That's been done. Thank you. Jesus has come and he has conquered sin and death. That job is over. It's done. I don't need to take care of it. Praise the Lord. That's not my responsibility. What I need to do, what God is calling me to do is to raise my kids to love him and to have the confidence and the desire to serve him and to speak up. And to just, as those two girls did that day in class, just tell, tell their friends, tell their classmates, tell their teachers about who Jesus is to them, um, who Mary is to them, what their faith means to them. If they can continue doing that just as confidently, just as innocently, just as lovingly as they did on that day, then I think I've done my job or I am doing my job, continuing to do my job but it is not my job to save the world. God will look after that. I'm just going to keep raising these kids as best as I can. And though it is fearful to put them out into a world that will hate them. I was reassured that, that I was reassured that they, that they, with their little baby steps one by one, they will handle it. They can handle it. And so can Mm, I.
0: Yes. Thank you for sharing that. I, I've been struggling with that same very issue. Um, so that's a good lesson for, good lesson for all of us, Jill. Thank you, thank you, and your kids for sharing that lesson with us today. <laughs> I did
1: tell them, I did tell them how proud I was of them that day, um, and I just encourage them to keep it up, that they can yes. do that. Yep. Yeah.
0: good relief. I like it. Thank you, Jillian Cantor. Always learning something from her kids.
1: Always. <laughs> all, <yeah. laughs>
0: She's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo.
1: Hi, I'm Jillian Cantor, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro.
0: And now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Julian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program.
1: Thank you so much. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing very well. I hope you had a good end of the Easter season and Pentecost and Trinity Sunday and and uh, you've learned a lot. Going on, it's really
1: hard to keep track of all. We're
0: back in ordinary time, so do you have an ordinary (laughs) lesson for us today?
1: (laughs) It's pretty ordinary or extraordinary, depending on your perspective, I suppose. Today's lesson is be like Jane. Be confident. Jane possesses an incredible amount of self-esteem. She is uh, any sort of self-help coach or motivational speaker has nothing on her. Jane knows what she can do and she's not afraid to do it. She's great. Um, some examples of things that Jane might say uh, when I'm helping her with one of her like, little school workbooks. Jane, you're doing awesome. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, um She quickly moved on from training wheels, used training wheels for about one week, then asked uh, David to take them off of her bike. And like in seconds, she's zooming down the sidewalk. No fear. Jane, that's awesome. You're doing so great. And she whizzes by. I know. She yells over her shoulder. (laughs) And then my personal favorite was the day that we were out for a walk. And this man was running towards us, approaching us. He's like decked out in his full running gear. He's clearly training for something. Mm -hmm. And he's going along at quite a clip and Jane is watching him. She stops, then she looks up at me. Mommy, look at him. He's fast, like me. So (laughs) so Jane knows, she knows what she can do and she claims it for herself, she's good, she's great. Um, But the thing also about Jane is that she's very easily embarrassed, she's pretty shy. So if if actually she knew that I was telling you this story, (laughs) she would start caving in on herself. Um, But even if I said something at the supper table in front of the other family members, like today, Jane did this. It was really incredible. Like If I said anything like that, Mm -hmm. she would get, she would just stop talking. She would either get very shy or very grumpy, depending on her Mm -hmm. state of mind that day Um, because she knows what she can do. She is confident, but she also doesn't need to advertise it to the whole wide world. Mm -hmm. She's just very comfortable owning that skill and claiming it and living it and I know, you know, I guess broader, bigger picture, you know, maybe one day she'll be comfortable sharing it with who needs it, whatever, whatever skill that might be. But right now, all she just, she just, she knows that, you know, I can run well, I can bike really fast. I can, I can do my schoolwork and that's, that's kind of for her. It's those mm-hmm. things are. for her. So when I, when I say be confident, be like Jane, I really am it's a lesson for myself because <laughs> I suffer from grown-up disease where if anyone was to ever offer me a compliment, um, I might be able to awkwardly accept that compliment, but then it's also immediately followed up by all my life's failings that I've ever <laughs> that I've ever occurred. So like Jillian, these cookies are really yummy oh, well, thanks, but you should have tried the first batch. They were terrible. Or right? <laughs> I feel like these ones, I mean, they're a bit too crunchy. I didn't really mean for them to turn out like that. You know what? Just accept the compliment. Just say yes. thank you. Yes. would be great. But for whatever reason, I get that verbiage that just won't stop. I just need to offer up all of my, I guess it's it's maybe a matter of you know wanting to appear humble or mm-hmm. um, that just don't be, don't, you know, that Don't be so egotistic. Like, just keep it calm, keep it low. So, but I've taken it maybe a little too far. So Mm -hmm. I gotta work on that. Um, But then there's also that that feeling that if you can claim a talent, you feel like you know maybe I am doing something well, or maybe I can um, share this with the world. It becomes maybe a bit of a pressure too. Um, And I guess as a stay at home mom and being connected with other stay at home moms, I see it in a different way than maybe other people see it. For example well, I guess backtrack, Um, it's maybe a a desire to be a bit more visible. We obviously as moms at home do a lot of the hidden work um, and there's not a lot of recognition. So when we do have that skill or that talent that somebody has recognized in us, then maybe it's a bit of, um, we feel a little bit of a kick, like, well, how should I use this? Maybe this can be my thing. Maybe somehow somebody else can recognize me for that. Like Mm -hmm. that felt nice. Maybe I can, offer this up somewhere that it can be used for something and you know it's just nice to be recognized for it so maybe for example like if you can if you've sewn something for someone well maybe i should sew other things and i could try to sell them or if you have written something nice and someone compliments you on that then well i should maybe write a book about something and i use those examples because where my brain is at right now (laughs) those are Uh two of the things that I've kind of tried to you know maybe those can be my shtick I've experienced that in my own life where I'm like maybe I can sell these wares or maybe I could write and get published but the other day I was out for a bike ride with Jane and Leo and I was uh, just riding behind Jane and Leo was in the trailer behind my bike Jane is singing at the top of her lungs. She is having a merry old time, just pedaling away as fast as she can go. And I'm riding behind her. And the thought in my brain was, I love this. I love bike riding. This is so fun. And as I was continuing on the bike ride, I thought, you know, it just felt light and airy. Like I recognized um, something about myself that I was really enjoying, but it felt a little different than it had in a long time. Like it just... I was just happy i just felt free Mm -hmm. and i realized it's because my thought process was this is fun i love bike riding and that's where it stopped i didn't think to myself this is so fun i love bike riding i should become a professional biker instead i was just content and happy with the skill i was confident in what i was doing i was happy with how i was using it to, to be with my kids And that's it. There was no Mm -hmm. strings attached, no extra pressure for how can this be my next big project. It was just, I'm just riding a bike and Mm -hmm. it's fun. And I felt a little bit like Jane in that moment. Mm -hmm. Like I'm confidently riding my bike and I'm just doing it for myself and I'm loving it. And it felt so nice. And so that's what made me want to share this lesson with you today. Be confident. Be like Jane. Just ride your bike.
0: I love and just remind us, how old is Jane? Because last I saw her, she was like one.
1: Yeah, no, she's five. So she's She is riding already. her bike. And oh my she is goodness. five, yes.
0: She's five. I was going to say, isn't she three? <laughs> Five-year-old Jane, confident, just or like her mom. Jane.
1: Her mom is trying.
0: Thank you, Jillian. That's a very important lesson. And, and the confidence that comes, I think, from just being a child of God, that I think uh, is something that we sometimes forget. Thank you. Julian Cantor, always learning something from her kids. She's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph Henry, Annie Clara, five-year-old Jane, and little Leo. brings us to the end of this special parenting edition of the Saltonite hour today's segments were a compilation of some of the best what i learned from my kids with jillian cantor from the 2020 2021 season of our program to comment on what you heard or to share your own stories of what you learned from your kids you can email me pedro at or you can look for me on facebook twitter or instagram i respond to every single message that i receive to listen to more of these segments and all our shows, visit our website, slmedia.org slash podcast. Thank you for being with us today. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour.